Hi, Chow Ping. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. I'm very excited to have you here. As an old breakdancer hey, myself, I had the some Talks flashbacks podcast, coming up thinking about dancing. That shares interviews now, I'm interested to hear about your story and your work in the community. About the work, programs, and research, and what they're like as people, too. I'm your host, Ben Rush. Listening to this podcast gives you a sneak peek of an upcoming longer talk by each guest. Our guest today, Li Ping, will give a talk called Dancing Through Life on May 17th at noon central time virtually. A link to the virtual talk as well as past and upcoming talks is in the show notes. For now, let's dive into the interview with Li Ping. Hi Ping. thanks for joining me on the podcast. I'm very excited to have you here. As an old breakdancer myself, I had some flashbacks coming up thinking about dancing. Uh, now I'm interested in hearing about your story and your work in the community. I should start with some basic information. Can you share your name and your pronouns, please? Yes, thank you, Ben, for inviting me. Um, my first name or the, the familiar name is Chao Ping. I go by the Chinese ordering of Li Chao Ping to put my family name first, but my friends call me Chao Ping, as well as my students. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, hers. If someone was going to bump into you on the street, what might you look like today? I'm probably about 5'1". I'm a first-generation Chinese-American, so I probably look like that. I am, um, you know, dark hair, which I often wear up. I am currently wearing my reading glasses. Um, I am wearing a white blouse with a big collar and some earrings with um, have a white circle dangling from the bottom of the of the earring. I've been on campus for about 30 years, so I'm considered one of the older professors probably on campus. Yeah, I wanted to ask about your roles on campus. I know you've done a lot of work with uh, community and students, but um, could you highlight a little about what you do on UW's campus? Sure. Uh, in the dance department, I'm a full professor. I teach choreography, uh, dance repertory, technique, Extreme Moves, which is a technique that I created uh, to help dancers train, or anyone who takes the class actually, to to do more extreme movement safely, very athletic movement. I have a dance mm. company called Lee Chopping Dance. My creative research uh, goes through that, and uh, I put on about maybe three or so productions a year. And the company also tours. And is your work with your dance studio and UW integrated in order to go to the community and help community members learn more dance skills? Is it performance, a uh, mix of everything? Well, I forgot to mention that I also teach annually at, at the Madison Senior Center. So I teach different age groups. I work with uh, older adults and have been doing that for the past 20 plus years, uh, teaching a class called Laughing Bodies, Dancing Minds. And I really love working with, with that community group, especially in the way that I am continually learning and they are learning from me. It's a wonderful exchange. Yeah. And I, I noticed that class and that mindset when I was researching you. I've done a bit of improv in my background, and I also love to bring humor to science. They, they don't always go together as integrated topics. I feel 
improv is really freeing and uses every mental capacity of your mind. I would imagine you see that among the older adults you work with and probably the students as well. Absolutely. It's a great way in to develop confidence in yourself, to develop your creative expression, your individual creative expression, but also use it as a way towards maybe expanding your creativity, nurturing it, uh, as I said, for building your self-confidence in your physical body, your imagination. So yeah, and then I also use it as a tool towards creating choreography so that it becomes a step towards creating something that's um, very perhaps original, more, more, more unique than, than maybe set steps that come from a particular style of dance. When I was looking at photos on your website, I felt a little scared. It seems like a very vulnerable thing to do, dancing, that is, uh, because it's a full body expression. I'm, I'm curious, when you are dancing, how are you feeling? Are you in a flow state? Yeah, yeah. How does it feel? Sure. Ideally, yeah. Ideally, I, I think that you do get into a flow state, like a like an athlete who's run to, you know, I don't know how fast it comes, but I recall when I have tried running a little bit, uh, reaching that state, maybe at the eighth mile or something like that, you know, just finally getting to the place where you don't feel pain anymore. You're just in, in the present. That is ultimately, you know, a, a wonderful and rare probably space to get to. It is just like the mystery of choreography, of making work. Yes, you can learn the craft. You can um, follow instructions. Maybe there are recipes to follow. But to really make magic, to make real art, it can be quite mysterious. And I think that's what keeps me in the game. You mentioned also about vulnerability. Yes, it, it, you can feel quite open. Like you, you're, you're sharing so much of yourself uh, when you're performing, when you're digging in to your, to craft a story, to, to tell a story, uh, to share an experience. It can feel that way. In fact, the most recent show I put on um, that I developed with my dancers is called Here Lies the Truth. And you can tell by the title that it might be taking us into some spaces that might be challenging. And I know that after we presented the work at the Overture Center, we had a talk back after the last show and someone asked me that question, how I felt. And, and I recalled feeling really raw. I felt hmm. really like I had just, I had never shared so much um, as, as, as in that, as through that show. It was very personal, but it wasn't all about me. It was about the members of the cast and, and it was, but it was very personal. I think that we, we, we crave connection. We love stories. We find ourselves in other people. I think that's why we love movies. You know, we watch movies and we, feel, you know, we empathize with what's happening. Similarly, that happens in, in a dance performance where you can identify with, with the individuals who are performing. You can appreciate the beauty 
the sheer just you know artistry the mastery of of, of moving uh, the you know the same human body that that you have or similar right so you can really appreciate that as well but there there may be other elements besides that so i think there there are many le- layers and levels that one can um engage with with a dance performance yeah i'm curious now that you've been able to i mean you still dance but you've been able to coach so many others to become dancers themselves how does it feel to watch others in that flow state or high performance i'd imagine it's pretty rewarding oh it's wonderful yes absolutely uh one of the things that's happened over time for me is i've become a much better choreographer i think that when i you know was in my youth, my, 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 I don't know, maybe more prime as a dancer. When I was younger as a dancer, I could do everything or I felt like I could do everything. Um, probably not true, (laughs) (laughs) but I felt like I could do everything. And so much of my choreography was through that, through how I experienced it. And, and I think that I shared that with my dancers. Yes, I made solos, but I also made group pieces when I made those group pieces, I still very much sort of embodied what I was 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 thinking or, or wanting to express, but maybe I didn't know quite how to articulate that as well. And maybe I didn't uh, look at it with the same kind of critical eye that one maybe should um, as an observer of one's own work. So I've really learned that over time maybe as a consequence of injury or just getting older, that I can trust my dancers to engage with the information I've given them, you know, the instructions, the notes, the uh, intentions, things like that. Switching gears a bit, is there anything that you hope people in Wisconsin will take away from your lessons, your community work, or seeing a performance? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I have this um, overarching philosophy that I that I use and I want everyone to to do it for themselves is to dance through life. Dancing through life is is my my overarching concept. And I, I feel like th- that it's it's open to us all to experience and learn from and learn through um, and to get to know other cultures as well, or just to get to know yourself, because there's a lot that you can learn about, you know, just that awareness in your body about the world. Like, I feel like I've learned about physics really through my body. Is there anything else you'd like to share on this podcast? One is that I teach at the Madison Senior Center at least once to twice a year. And those workshops are called Laughing Bodies, Dancing Minds. And I also do a workshop in the, in the summer called Seed, Summer uh, Exploratory Experimental Dance. And the idea is that it's a very inviting, inclusive space for people to come and um, to be in community, to take classes with my, my dancers and myself, no matter what level or, or ability you might be at. Uh, I wanted to see if there was another thing I wanted to plug. <laughs> Come to the dance department and take classes. Thanks for listening to the Badger Talks podcast. 
I hope you enjoyed the interview. And if you want to catch more of Chao Ping, check out her talk on May 17th at noon central time. The link to her upcoming talk and talks by other University of Wisconsin-Madison experts is in the show notes. Until next time, be well. The Badger Talks podcast is a creation by UW Connects and Deeper Than Data Media. Music composed by Bill Purdy and played by the University of Wisconsin-Madison Marching Band. The podcast is recorded, edited, and produced by Deeper Than Data Media. Thank you.